0: This is playing around with Paige Renee.
4: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. It's your host Paige Renee. We have Pro Tour here, and Tori, you text me over the weekend, and you said I have a question for you. And I said, what? And you said, never mind. I'm saving it for the podcast. So it's podcast time. I am dying to find out what the question is. We're jumping
5: right into it. I was going to say, hey, love the flannel post. Glad that you followed through on the bet. But Dodgers can wait, question mark, I
4: guess. We are waiting for that because there's nothing worse than someone – asking you a question and then saying, never mind, And then the whole time you're just thinking about what's the question? Is it this? Is it that? Are they mad at me? Like, what's going on? I despise that. So you need to tell me what the question is now. I'm dying. I'm actually dying. So
5: it's honestly a question for you and all of our male audience. So I was talking to this guy and he actually came over and there's nothing like established like we like he's cute and attractive and we get along well but we haven't like fully like crossed any lines or whatever.
4: Have you been on dates before?
5: We've just been texting. Okay. Got Super it. light. And so I invited him over for the Dodgers game. Again go Dodgers. Can we talk about that too? Um, and we were talking and at this point like roommates have kind of gone to bed. He was kind of flirting with my roommate. At one point he was kind of like I think you and your roommate are hot. And I was like Oh, okay. He's
4: definitely trying to have a threesome with you and your roommate. (laughs)
5: Definitely not. You can admire someone, say someone's hot, and not try to have a threesome, Paige. (laughs) Baby, I don't know. Guys, is that true? We don't know. Anyways, moral of the story. We're hitting like 1 a.m. talk right at this point. And he goes to tell me that he pretty much goes to bed watching porn almost every night. Is this normal? Normal.
4: So he falls asleep to the sweet sounds of ball sla- sack just like slapping the. I like, that's why don't he falls know. asleep too.
5: I try to be really calm about it because I was like, maybe this is the first time a guy's like actually being honest in the fact that they go to bed watching. like. Is this a thing guys do? I am so confused. I had to actually read, calm, oh, cool, like, oh, nice. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, set a little sleep timer. Let that thing turn off when you're when you're already asleep. I don't know. Is this normal?
4: You know, when we ask guys to be honest and then they say something and then we're like, never be honest ever again. I feel like this is one of those instances where I didn't need to know that. I never need to know that. But here's the question. Let's say you guys do get serious are you going to have to fall asleep listening to porn too? Is that like his, his, uh, sound machine? Like, <laughs> he's like, you know what? Should we listen to girl on girl tonight or rain hitting the roof? What do you want?
5: Well, exactly. And I'm like, cause he was like, I was like, oh really? And he was like, well, you know, like there's nothing wrong in just being like sexual. And I totally agree. Like embrace yourself or whatever. Every night I feel like there's that's just seems a little off to me. And I hate to sound like I'm a grandma or a prick
2: or whatever, so I, but I like think that can't I'm be confused. healthy.
4: No, I'm confused. So does he watch it, jerk off and then he falls asleep and then it's off or is he like- I was too scared to ask. Cuz I can be Or is i it just playing in the
5: background? I don't I was too scared. <laughs> I, I <don't-> genuinely <laughs> felt like it was if he's saying you have to be comfortable with yourself, I can't say he was not jacking off almost every night. He might be that sexual a person and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I'm also like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know if that was like kind of a red flag boys. I'm so sorry. Who's listening. And you guys do this every night. And maybe I am honestly living underneath a rock, But I just can't believe you are ready to rock and roll every night and listening to porn and not have, like, a human being in between some of those nights. And you're not going, you're not saying, hey, girl, come over and then, like, let's watch porn together on the first night. That's, like, when you're, like, let's kind of keep things spicy stage.
4: Yeah, I always thought it was a red flag when a guy would do something like that or a move that was, you kind of save until you're more comfortable in the relationship for the first night. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that first night? Or like, why is that a thing? I think that it was sweet that he was being honest with you and telling you, <laughs> and telling you something that's <laughs> personal. Again, I think if he's just watching it and that's how he falls asleep, just like how some people, I don't know, like to have chamomile tea before they go to sleep. It might be the same kind of thing. But so if he is, but if he like has it on while he's sleeping, then that is just psychotic behavior.
5: So do you think it's more of a red flag if he were to go to bed without jerking off or do you think it's more of a red flag that he goes to bed just falling asleep to porn every night? Did I say that correctly?
4: If he is falling asleep with it literally on in the background and it's like some guy watching tv and he has porn on that's a red flag for me because that's probably gonna happen in the relationship where I'm going to have to fall asleep watching porn and that's a no for me one I just can't fall asleep with a tv on (laughs) but I don't want to be hearing that I don't want to be seeing that I will say that I would prefer a guy to watch porn and jerk off instead of going up going out and hooking up with other girls like I would really I would much rather him do that than be with other girls because it's like it's just him in his hand he's just watching someone else but when he's like intimate with someone else that would bother me more I think when guys watch porn it's not a red flag for me I don't mind it I see some girls who are like if you watch porn that's considered cheating and you can't do that I think that is weird when girls say that to guys Uh, but again I think this is just kind of like a guy thing and they're gonna do what they want to do but again if he is listening to it while he's falling asleep that's weird that is weird I can't get over that
5: that's weird I just like I was honestly I get like porn and like jerking like we all get that's just like evolution that's just the way men work they 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 sometimes just have to go and have some chamomile tea I get that is that our code now (laughs) (laughs) but like to to do it every night I honestly just like I wanted to ask follow up questions, but I was like, am I going to sound like an idiot for not knowing that men do this every night? Like it was like kind of what you were saying, like you ask a question, you don't know what your honest answer is. Like, I feel like I would honestly rather prefer him to go hook up with a new girl every night. No, I don't want STDs or anything. But at the same time, like at least you want companionship. You're not just watching like the sexy nurse come in and like take care of business on another human being that you're getting aroused by. I don't know why I can't get behind it. The more I talk about it, I'm like, no, I think I would way rather him hook up with another person at a random
2: bar.
4: Okay, so here's the question though: He jerks off every single night, so that's 365 <laughs> times, right? Let's just say it's just once too. We're giving the benefit. I think it's more than once a day, but let's just. Say I it's think once. so too. Yeah. So you would rather have him hook up with 365 girls? <sighs> His body count for one year would be 365. If a guy said, "Tori, my body count is." over 500 or whatever let's it could be it would be in the thousands at this point you would rather have that than a guy who watches porn every night you're crazy i know
5: even when you say that i'm like that's a lot of humans to go through a lot of not sanitary things but at least you're choosing to have a conversation and like be like you want to have a person there you're not just being like <laughs> my hand is my gal And I'm—I don't
4: know why I went Texas and southern, but I did. He is now southern. I can't wait until you have a son going through puberty and. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Delete, delete this podcast. You've never heard this conversation
5: ever in your life.
4: He's like 13 years old, figuring his life out, and you're like, "I'd rather you go hook up with other girls."
5: Oh, no. But seriously, guys, can you tell me if this is normal or not, or if this is a red flag?
4: Yeah, email us at par at iheartradio.com. Uh, we need to know, because I, I've never heard that before. That's the first time, and I have some very... Very sexual guy friends who will do literally anything and tell the most outrageous stories. And I've never heard a guy falling asleep to the sweet, sweet sounds of porn. So that's an interesting one. That's one I've never heard before. Thank you for that, Tori. Just, you know, still trying to figure it out myself. Glad that
5: we could readdress it. I will never look at like chamomile tea the same again.
4: In other news, Tori, you're wearing a Dodgers hat today. hey <sighs> Dodgers won. My
5: boys. I lost
4: the bet. You guys should go check out the Playing Around Instagram account because I wore the outfit that Josh and Tori forced me to wear. No mm-hmm. cleavage. I would wear a flannel shirt and jeans. And it was, it was quite a spectacular. Feedback was great. Oh, it's because I bent over and I, like, showed, like, an upshot in my butt in <laughs> the jeans. So I, I still had to over-sexualize myself somehow. I mean, it is me after all. <laughs> Everyone was like, wait, what What pair of jeans again? Wait, wait,
5: show us the jeans again. And I was laughing. Good commentary.
4: It was pretty good. But as soon as the Dodgers won, I texted Tori probably a second after it happened. Yeah. And I asked if you were crying. I mean, this is probably the best thing that has happened to you in quarantine.
5: It's just, there was so much on the line. Like, we kind of addressed it a little bit. Like, our coaching staff was on the line. Just people's mental state was on the line and just the fact that it's party like it's 1988 was just just in itself the title have how long we've been waiting so it, tears were shed <laughs>
4: it was kind of a bummer of a last game I'll say that I really wanted it to I'm go to game seven I'm sorry what god
5: you're such a Rays fan it hurts
4: no it just <laughs> pulling Snell was Incredibly stupid and probably one of the worst moves in World Series history. I mean, it was was insane. And I wish that didn't happen. I think maybe the outcome possibly could have been very different if Mm -hmm. he was left in the game. And then so that was a big controversy. And then I got your – I got to get your thoughts on this. Justin Turner coming back on the field taking pictures without his mask on after being tested – after he tested positive for the coronavirus. So right. they pulled him out mid-game. And that whole thing was really bizarre too. How really they bizarre. found out during the middle of the game he ended up getting pulled and then he comes back out on the field uh, with without a mask on. And it, it was crazy because – all the families were out there. I mean, the the, the coaches aren't super young. Like, it's right. kind of scary to be right next right. to him knowing that he's positive. I don't know. I don't know if I would have – if I was a wife of one of the players knowing that, I don't think I would have walked on the field if I have like, a little kid too.
5: It's just so hard for me because – I get that, you know, you're already with your team. You're already with your bubble. He's already been eight innings in... Because he tested positive Monday, and then they had to take another one, I believe. I believe this is... I might be making this up, but I think I heard this. He tested positive on Monday, so they did another one to verify that was an accurate test and that he really was positive, and then they didn't find the results till like, the seventh or eighth inning. So he had already... Been with his teammates, so it's like if it was just the teammates on the field, I would maybe understand it. But when you have like kids down there and family, and it, I just, I don't know. I think it was a little, a little bit of a selfish move,
4: in my opinion. Because you. But you're, I, kind of, I do see it from. I I see it from his perspective. Let's just say you win the World Series. is something that you have been chasing your entire life. This is a dream that everyone wants to accomplish. This is the the highest point of your career. You're going on the field. I mean, most people in that situation (sighs) would be on the field, and MLB needed to take that decision out of his hands and take him home. Because yeah. anyone in that position would have gone out on the field and celebrated. I mean, I probably, I, I probably would have as well. That's the problem. The MLB messed up again, and they needed to take away the decision and just literally drive him back to the hotel and make him quarantine. Yeah, that's what they, they need yeah. to do. H- has there been any news of other Dodgers players coming out as positive? I haven't heard anything on that one. Um, I feel like they might keep that under wraps if it is true. Like if they are testing positive, I don't know if they're going to come out because I mean, the MLB, it's incredible that they ended up having a full season and they got to the World Series, but it was a shit show from start to end. And the fact that like this was the ending of it, it was really sucky. I know. And the hard
5: thing is it's now off season. So I don't think they really have to report on any players testing positive. But what I'm more confused is, are they going to do some sort of parade or anything? Is did the Lakers go done to
4: Vegas? It
5: by now? No, I don't. I I don't know. I don't know.
4: How do you feel about parades when people go to championship parades? I I think it's kind of lame. <laughs> I don't think I. I'm gonna get so much shit for this. You are. I think it's you kind are. Of a lame move. I mean, it's like but the, why? these guys have worked their entire lives to. Uh, I'm, I'm like, regretting this as I'm saying it. And these <laughs> no, guys you guys have their now, entire lives, it. <laughs> like, blood, sweat, and tears, and this is their time to celebrate. And it's just weird that people are celebrating as if they were a part of it as well. I think you that's were. Kind of a weird move.
5: Excuse me. My clapping for my home screen definitely encouraged them to win an MLB series, okay? Like, you can't say your fans aren't part of it.
4: And, I think they're you part know those- of it, but it's like when you go, I wouldn't drive somewhere... And go to a celebration. So I'm a huge Steelers fan. You know that. Probably, like, one of the biggest Steelers fans. Been a Steelers fan my whole life. And if they win the Super Bowl this year, because they're undefeated and they look really good, <laughs> I don't think I would go. Let's just say none of this pandemic was happening. I wouldn't drive or fly or be somewhere to celebrate with them. If I was maybe just outside and I could walk there, maybe. But I wouldn't make the effort to go to a parade. I think that's weird.
5: I think that's a weird no, move. It's- no, it's definitely not weird. If these are, like, the people you are just huge fans of, your dad's taking you to your first, you know, Steeler game, you know all I the guess. players' names, all that stuff, and you're going there and you get to see them in person. Not suited up, nothing. They're just human. Like, the when the Chiefs won, um, Patrick Mahomes was, like, chugging a beer that, like, one of the fans threw up at, like, on the bus that he took and, like, chugged the beer and everyone was like, yeah, they made like ESPN, Barstool Sports, like all these videos. And it's like because, you know, you're interacting with your team.
4: That's true. I'm just not a big parade person. Maybe that's it. Like I wouldn't go to like the Macy's Day Parade Thanksgiving you're Day not Parade. A, you're not even got- a market fan.
5: You're like, I just want to stay in my house.
4: <laughs> I, I know. I do get it. I, I just think it's weird. So how about this, though? If you are on the team, I always thought this was so weird in college when guys who weren't on the team would act as if they were and they were, like, celebrating and they had a ring and it's like, dude, you sat on the bench <laughs> for every single game. <laughs> and we're you're acting as if you, like, contributed. Something. Yeah, you're, like, acting like you're, like, hot shit because you have a ring, but you didn't play one second in a game. That's weird to me. I don't Literally, like Literally,
5: like, three to four UCLA guys. Completely popped in my head when you said that, so I think that is the most relatable thing ever. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I was like, started quarterback, and you're like, no, you were backup, backup, backup quarterback.
4: You didn't even, you didn't even get on this team unless dad paid for you, like. <laughs> or they'll like post like the hype videos. They're like, we're gonna eat this season. It's like, throw on the on on the bench, on the bench. You are on the bench. No, like you do not the, get to participate in any of this.
5: They're always the ones that are the most posting on social media, like the grind, like the hustle, and you're like, no,
4: no, you're not, though. Okay? <laughs> and their all white uniform is like pristine, <laughs> super clean, pristine! never. Oh,
5: everyone on this podcast listening is probably feeling really personally because Everyone's had their peak high school or college experience, or they're like, well, I was on the football team. <laughs>
4: But, okay, I will say oh. that's almost worse than – I think fans invest more into the team than that person did. So I, they should get – I guess they should get the parade and they should cheer for the parade, right? Like, that's what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, no.
5: Honestly, you're going re- to go against anything you say at this point. So it's like,
4: you know. No, <laughs> I'm just trying to backtrack because the parade take yeah. was not a good take. And so, you know what I do? Instead of owning the fact that I had a bad take, I just, I just insult more people and make it 10 (laughs) times worse.
5: Yeah, just nobody, just don't go on Twitter.
4: That's what I do. So, way to go, Paige. Just. (sighs) Coming out swinging. Just coming out swinging.
5: First 10 minutes of the podcast. Here we are. (laughs)
4: We have more sports talk coming up, and I promise I will not insult anyone else.
5: Don't promise, Don't promise that. Don't promise that. not true. That's
4: not a good promise. <laughs> but keep on listening. We also have a special guest, Shannon Elizabeth. You probably know her from American Pie, Scream. She's doing a lot of really great work with her foundation. So keep on listening for that interview.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door
6: Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
4: had the Bermuda championship and Brian Gay won at 15 under and a one hole playoff against Wyndham Clark so I actually grew up playing junior golf against Wyndham Uh, we both grew up in Colorado and he was always kind of like a phenom so it's cool to see him that is cool on tour now you know, killing it. Um, he lost his mother to cancer. So he's kind of had a pretty crazy inspirational story of kind of overcoming everything and making it on tour. And so it's great to see him being successful and playing well. I wish he got the win, but he he's close. I, I think he's going to be a player that you guys are going to need to look out for coming up. But besides that, I would say it wasn't a super exciting week in golf or even really a week in sports i think after the world series and uh the week before this one with football was insane so many games came down to literally like the last seconds yeah and this week was fairly boring there wasn't too much that happened or that was exciting or too noteworthy watch us say that and then now everyone's gonna
5: like comment being like you forgot this and it's going to be like, oh, crap, we forgot that that happened.
4: <laughs> Tori was too busy trying to figure out if guys listen to before night <laughs> or not. Honestly, though. Honestly. <laughs> uh, but, Tori, guess what's coming up? I am so uh, disappointed in you. Bastard! Yes! <laughs> yeah! Finally! The Masters <laughs> is coming up, and I could not be more excited. It is my kind of a love-hate relationship with the Masters because it's everything that I stand against with golf. It's the tradition. It's very kind of uppity. Uh, it's just not – some Some things are not great, but then it's also my absolute favorite tournament because kind of because of those reasons, because of the tradition. And the fact is that the same course, every Augusta National, every single year at the Green Jacket, there's just so much that just makes you so happy. And I would say it's probably like the biggest week in golf is Masters week because of that reason.
5: This may be a dumb question. So I looked up everyone that's playing on the Masters. It's a lot of people. And you win a green coat, correct? <laughs> How do they get – do they take everyone's measurements and then just whoever wins, you already have your coat made? Or do they – do? because you, you get it right away on the field.
4: On the field. On the, on the grass? <laughs> on, on the course. course.
5: <laughs> on the course.
4: <laughs> you know what? You're asking me this question, and I, I don't know. I would assume that you have to send in – your measurements before and so they probably just give you a sheet and you have to send it in um because in certain tournaments they will hand carve the name into trophies and so it could almost be the same thing where they're making it as the person's winning or i mean guys don't really care what their jackets look like on so maybe there's only like there's three sizes and you just kind of have to fit them to the. but it's golf if it's oversized you get a penalty
5: you know so it's like how are they how are they i wonder if it's like top three they just have someone like in in a little suite just sewing away when it's like the top three so technically there's actually three coats made and then out of the three the one gets the one for the winning did this sentence make sense did i just block out i feel like i just had a something happened
4: (laughs) I don't know guys if you're listening and you know please let us know because I have never heard that before I never even honestly thought about that I think it's because Augusta is just so magical that the jacket just like pops up it's like in Cinderella where the fairy godmother turns the pumpkin into like a carriage and that's how it is with the masters it's like they just like touch something and just like woo. Like sisterhood of
5: the traveling pants, the jean just fits every girl, every shape or size.
4: That's what it is with the jacket. I think it's just like it's just one jacket and it fits everyone who wins. It's like you're a master's champion, so you can fit the jacket now.
3: This is golf
5: chat
4: with Tori. They just like ready to talk picks, and I'm like, but who sews? I've never thought about that. Mm. Another cool thing is that they're playing it, obviously, in November this year. It had to change from April because of the coronavirus. I think that the course, we've always really seen the course in one way with the beautiful flowers, and it's always really pristine. So it's going to be really different to see the course in fall with the leaves changing. And I wonder oh. I wonder how different the course is going to play, how it's going to look. I, I will have a mental breakdown if it snows and the Masters is cancelled I don't, I will shave all my hair off, like I will have a complete (laughs) mental Britney Spears meltdown I don't think I can ever handle that after this complete shit hole, shit hell shit hell (laughs) shitty, shitty, shitty Year that 2020 is shitball. Sh- shit I feel like you just did that, like,
5: how I met your mother, like, shit, wait for it, hole.
4: <laughs> that pause. <laughs> All the shit put together, that's what 2020 has been. And if it gets canceled, if the Masters gets canceled in 2020, I will, I will have a mental breakdown. Something bad will happen. I don't think I can handle that.
5: There has been, actually, a lot of snow happening in, like, Colorado. You
4: shut your whore mouth right now i want to see a shaved head it's gonna happen all for content (laughs) i I will i if if the masters gets canceled because of snow i will shave my head bet new bet bet. (laughs) we take it from a flannel to a shaved head that is i'm literally going to do that if it gets canceled, I will be devastated. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But let's get into the picks because Tori, everyone wants to know your picks.
5: But you know what? Honestly, I'm a giving person. You go first.
4: <laughs> <sighs> so no. I think that <laughs> okay. No, I, was, I was getting ready to go into my picks. <laughs> wait for it. Picks. <laughs> Masters. Wait for it picks <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, <God. laughs> so you guys are gonna be surprised with this one or maybe not but my first pick is going to be Bryson DeChambeau Dude's carrying it over 400 yards, and as you know, this course kind of favors a bomber, and you don't have to be super accurate. So I know he won the U.S. Open, but I think he's going to have a little bit of a Brooks run coming up where, you know, Brooks started to win back-to-back. He was dominating all the majors, and I think that's what Bryson's going to do. He is in the zone right now. He's confident. He knows what he's doing, and he's killing it, and that's even without – He said he wanted to get a longer shaft. He is still putting in more time in the gym. Sexual.
5: Sexual. Woo! Getting hot in
4: here. (laughs) Tori, stay focused.
5: (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, keep going.
4: Anyways... (laughs) and he's putting on more weight so he might even be hitting it farther by the time the masters comes around which is literally next week so that that guy could put on like 10 pounds so easily it's insane he just like puts on weight like it's nothing I actually relate to that I really relate (laughs) to that
5: okay everyone saw your photo shoot pictures I'm like if I put on a fuzzy little two-piece set right now people would be like please don't no one needs to see that no one needs to see that you cannot relate
4: I do I do relate I really have to watch what I eat I wish I could just eat like Bryson and hit it 400 yards but instead I just get shamed online but to me
5: but to be honest like asking for a friend is his weight like muscle or is it a little like a little bit of a dad bod weight
4: We've had this discussion before, and I think it's a little bit of both. You can't deny the fact that he has put on a significant amount of muscle, but I think he has also put on a little bit of fat, too. And you just have to do that to get that much weight on in that amount of time, that short amount of time. It's not going to be all lean muscle. So he's been doing a bit of a dirty bulk where he's not you know, just eating – broccoli and you know dry chicken he said he's eating well we can go through his whole diet he listed it out but he's eating like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and pizza and he's having his steak and potatoes and all this stuff so it is a bit of a dirty bulk but you know again like you i always say golf is 99 percent mental and that guy is feeling himself right now he is so confident he believes in what he's doing and that's that's a scary combination with how well he's hitting it right now. So he's my first pick. And my second pick is going to be Xander Schauffele. He has a game that suits the Masters so well, and he's been so close. I think it's his time now to break through and win his major. He's always right there, and I think that experience now is going to help him, and I think he's a really solid pick.
5: Let's pick a third. A third? A three? A third? A three? I literally (laughs) need to go back to sleep. (laughs)
4: So, my 3 pick of the week is going to be <laughs> Tony Finau. And I'm just going to I said this before, I'm going to pick Tony Finau until he wins. He's actually always played really well at the Masters and I mean, he overcame a broken ankle at the Masters and still played well. So, There's just something special. Yeah, he literally was playing the part three contest and rolled his ankle after he made a hole in one, and his foot literally is touching, the top of his ankle was touching the grass. It snapped. Oh! It was oh. such a bad sprain. It looked so bad. And it was embarrassing, too, because he was celebrating after he made a hole-in-one. All of a sudden, he just, like, dislocated his ankle. Oh. And was just staring at him as he was standing Like, it gives me secondhand embarrassment. But <laughs> he ended up finishing that week out really strong. And he has issues closing. We all know that. But I think if we push, put some positivity... Mm-hmm into the universe that this will be tony finau's time to win a major he's such a great guy i'm always pulling for him and so he's my underdog pick love that you have to give me one pick oh i have to okay well okay my one pick is uh
5: tiger woods you guys didn't see that one coming
4: (laughs) so tiger woods is the defending champion and we all remember the 2019 win I had tears rolling down my face. It was one of the most (laughs) amazing sports moments in the history of sports moments. It was so incredible. His comeback story him winning with his kids and it was like I get chills just thinking about. It. I think that's one of the moments that you remember what happened on that day in that moment Tiger Woods winning the Masters and I feel like ever since that happened we've all been craving that kind of excitement back in golf again and we compare every tournament to that major and nothing will ever be that incredible I think that will forever be one of the most amazing golf memories or moments that will ever happen I don't think anything like that will ever happen again unless he wins this year so let's hope for Tiger Woods (laughs) with the 2020 Masters win it'll never happen again ever except for if it happens this year (laughs) uh he's playing pretty bad right now his game doesn't look good he his body doesn't seem it's holding up all that well but he knows that course inside and out and i feel like if he's going to win another tournament it's probably going to be the masters again but his form coming into the 2019 masters he was he looked great i mean you had a feeling something special was going to happen and then this year that magic is just not there again i don't even know if he's going to make the cut i don't think that he's going to play well especially with it being so cold with his body being the way it is, it's just not favorable conditions for Tiger Woods to win the 2020 Masters.
5: I'm going to ask you two more quick questions about uh, golfers. Jordan Spieth, he won it like three years ago, four years ago. Do you think he could come up again?
4: You know, it's hard because I think everyone is hoping for Jordan Spieth to have his comeback because he has been struggling. And the Masters is where it all went downhill. He had the lead, and then he blew it. He blew it, and ever since then, he really hasn't been the same again. And so it would be such a redemption story for him to come back and win, but I just don't think that right now he's in the right frame of mind to win a major. Your game has to be very sharp, and his ball striking is just not there. I know I've told the story before, but I saw him play at Riviera, and he was hitting – the ball like an amateur like he was missing it right and left and if you have a two-way miss you're screwed and that's kind of where he's at right now where he doesn't know where the ball's going and before he could always rely on his putting but his putting is streaky now he's missing those short putts and when he's over the ball You just can tell that he doesn't have any confidence whatsoever, and it's extremely sad to see because he was the golden boy of golf. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone thought he was going to be the next Tiger Woods, and now to see him struggling so much, it's tough. So I'm always rooting for Jordan Spieth, but I don't think that his time is this tournament.
5: And then my last one was going to be Bubba Watson, right?
4: Bubba Watson. Yeah, he's always a pretty solid pick. He plays really well at the Masters, obviously, Again, Bombers play well at Augusta, and he's always someone that you can look towards. I think that he could actually have a really good week. So a lot of people have mixed opinions about Bubba because he's a bit, he's different. He isn't like most tour players, he has said things in the past that has gotten him in trouble, but he recently came out and spoke about his severe anxiety, and he did a whole story about that, and so maybe with that off of his chest now, and talking about things that he has been through, that he'll feel better, and like I said, with golf being so mental, when personal struggles are going on in your life, it really affects your golf game. Well, unless you're Tiger Woods, then I feel like it doesn't matter whatsoever because he had like a double (laughs) life and was still winning. But most of the time, when you have personal struggles, it really does kind of bleed into your professional career, especially when it is golf. And so I'm thinking maybe now that he came out with that story that people will see him in a different light because, I mean, I've talked about this so much that anxiety really is – it's brutal. And a lot of people who don't have it don't understand it. And for him to have such severe anxiety, it's impressive that he's done what he has done in the public eye for so long and has never really talked about it. Uh, being kind of behind the scenes in the golf industry, I've, I have heard from other people how bad it was. And so I think I've always viewed him a little bit differently. But to be hated and for people to say all of these Uh, negative remarks about you when they don't know that on the inside you literally want to kill yourself every three seconds I I think that this will be a really positive change for Bubba to share his story and to have another facet of his career where he's more than just a golfer and now he is um, helping other people and I think that will really help him perform better on the golf course so this could be a solid week for him as well too after kind of coming out and speaking about those struggles
5: love that That's really cool. I didn't know that. I mean, given, why would I know that? But, you know.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just think it's going to be such an incredible tournament because, one, again, it's the Masters, and I think that we've just been waiting for this moment for so long with golf, and it's going to be really different without fans, but maybe Augusta will be a little bit different because of the history and the tradition and you can finally see the golf course in its entirety. And also with the Masters, you have – they call them the patrons, and they're a little bit more respectful than, you know, other golf fans. And when you go to the Masters, you're there to respect the game, and you don't have people yelling as much or cheering as much. You do have the big, loud roars, but I think they can fake that on TV. Maybe hopefully they put some sound in, but I don't think it's going to be as noticeable not having fans at the Masters as with other past tournaments. So – and also the way that the course is set up, too, with the back nine, there's enough drama within the holes that, again, I don't think you need the fans there to really spark that that adrenaline for the players. They're just going to get it because of the way the holes are set up and with the water and the just the history behind the course. So it's really going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. A lot of people can come into play here. I mean, Ricky Fowler is also not a bad bet. I know he hasn't been playing well, but he could fly under the radar and get his first master's win so it, there's so many people who could have a shot here and, and it's kind of been that way with so many of the majors where you, it's hard to get picks because everyone is kind of playing on the same level right now and that's why I said Bryson might be the guy because he's just doing something a little bit different than no one else is doing and the, and the Augusta National hasn't seen someone play the golf course like this Ever so, I'm interested to see how he's going to play the golf course, how how what his game plan is going to be, and it's going to be a really interesting week. In tour, you have to watch. It's it's as you say, the Super Bowl of golf. It literally <laughs> is the most. I will watch the commercials on TV and get chills. Like it, there's just something about oh, the Masters. No, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just like there's something so special about the Masters. Even like being there, there's just it's weird. It's, I can't even explain it. It's just something so special about golf. And I, I think it's why people are so hesitant for change because you see something like the Masters that is almost preserved in all of this tradition and nothing has really changed with it over the last decade or however many years it's been there. And it's always been the same. And I think that's why people are scared of change because we love the Masters so much. And nothing has ever changed with the Masters. So setting – I almost said like setting my DVR,
5: but like it sounds like I'm living in 1990.
4: <laughs> I don't think you're going to watch like – okay, how about this? You don't have to watch Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. All you have to do is watch the back nine on Sunday.
5: I was going to say I want to do the back nine.
4: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you do love the back nine, Tori.
3: I don't even know what that means. <laughs>
5: but we do (laughs) chamomile tea
4: chamomile tea (laughs) well gosh I get so excited on Masters Talk and it just there's just something about it like I said so I can't wait for that but guys we have Shannon Elizabeth on next keep on listening
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41,
6: 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
4: We're back from break and we have a very special guest today, actress and activist, Shanna Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So you're actually living in South Africa right now. How did you make the move from Hollywood to being in South Africa? Um. Oh gosh. It was, it
0: was definitely a long
3: process. Um, I was in LA for like 20 years. And I moved to New York for a couple of years. And during that time, um, well, going back, I started a nonprofit called Animal Avengers in 2001. And after running it as a dog and cat rescue in LA, like for over 10 years, I just knew I wanted to help more animals in a much bigger way. And I didn't know what that was going to look like yet um so i kind of went on this quest and this journey to try to figure it out and when i was in new york i just started paying a lot of attention to social media and africa south africa and like poaching crisis and i was meeting a lot of people from south africa for a number of years so i knew the universe was trying to tell me something um and i just uh something clicked there was a there was a video i saw one night i was getting ready to go out to dinner and it was a video of a poached elephant and and she was she was as the ranger like videotaped her he says this poor baby's been out here suffering all night and in that moment she moved i mean her trunk was off to one side you couldn't even make out her face, but I could make out her mouth and she was moving. And that hit me really hard, um, and that flipped a switch in me. I never thought about the the pain and suffering of what was happening. I kind of just always, I guess, thought, well, they'd kill them, and then they would take what they wanted, but they, that's not the case. And. Once I realized that I said this is what I want to do with my foundation or my charity. And I, I don't know, I need to I need to go to South Africa, I need to go to just Africa and learn the the issues and try to find ways I could help. Because I didn't really know what that was gonna be, because I didn't know anything about conservation. So I planned a trip out here in 2015 and I interviewed a bunch of people just because I knew I was meeting really great people, and maybe if I learned something, I could share that. And long story short, I came back out here again in 2016, and by the end of that year, I moved out here. I just I loved being here. I felt like it. I could do more by being here near the issues, and I'd still fly back to the states for work. and And there's actually quite a big um, filming community in Cape Town as well, so. Um, so yeah, so I, I, still, I still do some acting, but I'm very focused on the charity now.
4: Wow. I mean, that's so amazing that you've done that. How was that transition for you where your whole life was just focusing on acting and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, is it like a bigger purpose that was calling you or what made you finally really make that move?
3: Well, I always knew that animals were my life and that they were kind of my mission. I've always said that acting is my job, but saving animals however I can was always my mission for being on this planet. Um, so that's why I had started the charity in 2001. It was the first time I was in a position where I was able to give back and being like the type A personality I am, <laughs> I'm like, well, if you wanna do it right, do it yourself kind of thing. So I just decided to start the charity. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've always felt like I've had that purpose and I think everything that I've done up until now, I've always said would have a giving back element to it. Cause I feel like, you know, if you, if you start a clothing line, then you should give back with the clothing line, use it as a vehicle to do good as well. And I think it's important to kind of live what you believe. And, and that goes across like as a consumer, we're all consumers. And we all have that power of choosing who we buy different things from, how we live our life. And it's just been this progression of going more into the, the giving back kind of area of like, this is what I'm here for. And I love doing this work. and. And less of the full-time acting, but I want to do more of joining the two. You know, I want to do, like, a series that can bring light to all of the issues and the the people doing really great work on the ground. So my goal is to join them both up.
4: We talk about this a lot on the show, that there are benefits of being an attractive woman, but also downfalls. Do you ever feel that people take you or the work you do now – not seriously because of the roles that you've had in the past and like if so how do you overcome that
3: um you know i definitely think that there's there's been some of that i can't say that there hasn't but i i think i just work really hard to focus on the job um and when i'm out in the field working if we're not filming anything or doing anything like i'm really the the girl that doesn't fix her hair, or wear makeup, and I'm a tomboy. I really am. So, um, I I only get all done up when I feel like it'll it'll help the cause, and we're filming something to help the cause, you know. And and I try to to think of you know what have I been given that I can use as an asset to help a bigger purpose. And so for me, I've been I've been given a platform that really makes a difference and and I want I want to utilize that in the best way I can because like there's a part of me that just wants to go be a wildlife vet and (laughs) you know it just like work on the animals but then I would sit and think and be like well is that really using like all the things that I've been given to this point in my life the best way I can and always come up with no so Okay, well, what have I been given and how can I use it to the best of my ability to make a difference? Because I feel like the universe has been grooming me for this moment. Like, I think of it like that.
4: Yeah, I mean, you have such an amazing platform now because of, I mean, all the iconic roles that you've played in the past. So I'm sure it's helped so much. But when it comes to your foundation and all the amazing work that you're doing, how do you get people to listen and to care about what you care about and what's important because I feel like sometimes people only care about what's important to them and they seem to just kind of ignore what's happening around the world and if it's not right in front of your face then it's not a problem for them so how how are you making a difference with trying to get people to listen and learn and to educate them
3: um I think there's a lot of a lot of things we try I mean that's an ongoing process it's an ongoing challenge um we recently started a podcast as well as just another avenue to, to be able to talk about the issues and, and openly have opinions on a lot of the issues, because with the foundation, a lot of the work we do, we try to stay very neutral and in some, in, in some very contentious arguments that kind of come into wildlife and conservation. Um, because as long as the end goal is making a difference, you know, we have a few things, lines that we won't cross, but we, we also don't always talk about them. We're very neutral. So the podcast gives us a chance to express our opinions and not be neutral and really talk (laughs) about things. You just want to try to influence people in the best way that you know how and put information out there and. They find it when they're meant to, and that's kind of all I can do.
4: And what's the name of the podcast?
3: It's called The Art of Conservation.
4: Definitely. I think a lot of people are going to check that out. I'm definitely going to check that out. I I do have one question, though. Um, How has South Africa been impacted by COVID? Have you seen a positive or a negative impact on the animals? Has it been better because of the lack of traveling? Or how has that been?
3: Gosh, um, there's a bunch of sides to it. So... From an animal side, it was really great for the animals because there were less people going around. Um, They were able to come out and play. And I think we saw that all over the world. And there was a lot less poaching because there's less people in the parks um, and really no people in the parks. I mean, even the guys that work in Kruger National Park said it was amazing to see these animals coming out, animals they'd never even seen around them before. So, so in that sense, it was very positive. But from a people sense, it was very negative because, you know, South Africa, one of the, the main GDPs here is tourism. And so there there was no tourism. And that really hurt people. A lot of businesses went under. They're struggling right now. And when you think about like the animals they they're protected by rangers and those are people that need to have their jobs to be able to protect them. So I mean one of the programs that we started as a direct result of COVID was a ranger relief program because we were getting calls from nearby um, reserves that are saying they're struggling. They weren't able to pay their anti-poaching units but they can't Ask for help because then it tells everyone that their rhino and their animals are not protected. So we we tried to step in as a lot of people did to try to raise funds and buy supplies and be able to pay salaries and things like that. um, Just to, to help people get through this difficult time. I mean, I think we've been very lucky that we haven't had extremely high numbers here. Um, because we locked down pretty early, it felt like, and the president did a really good job with how he's handled things and um, different levels of lockdown. I mean, there was an alcohol ban for a long time as well because a lot of the cases that would end up in hospitals would be alcohol-related. So to lessen the load on the hospitals, they did an alcohol ban, and that actually made a huge difference.
5: That's so interesting. Yeah. You know, Shannon, speaking of um, lockdown, I feel like everyone's watching movies right now. And you are part of like one of the most iconic movies I feel like that every guy loves. You were in American Pie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was my first big studio film.
5: Please tell me about that and what it was like being with that cast, especially like Jason Biggs. Like that's huge.
3: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, we didn't realize at the time, obviously, that it was going to be anything like what it became. I mean, and we all feel very blessed to be a part of it. And Jason and Eugene and all those guys are so funny. So it was just amazing to be able to work with them and and work with them multiple times, you know, to go back and and still be able to be friends with them. So that was, I mean, I think my whole career could Be because of that movie, and I'm very grateful for that because just even
4: the work that I get to do now is because of that film.
5: Unreal. I think it's the best movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
4: I know. Uh, After that movie, were you like, This is my big break, and I'm gonna be a big movie star? And did you wanna transition into maybe like more serious roles, or did you wanna do, you know, like more comedy? Like, what did you think your career was going to be like? And did you ever think that you'd be like ending up in South Africa doing all this incredible work?
3: Um, I didn't know that I would end up in South Africa. Right? <laughs> I never thought about living in another country at the time, but, um, you know, when, when American Pie premiered, I already had a deal for my next film with Miramax and that having that, like, cause every actor works and then thinks they'll never work again, you know, like that's my <laughs> last job, I'm never going to work again so to be able to just have another job it was the first time I had like two consecutive I'm like okay this is good I was just happy to be working you know and and then to be able to get some momentum from that um it was just really a blessing I mean you don't you you don't really think about famous not famous you think about working or not working as an actor and that's that's where the focus should be is like am I working, will I be working tomorrow, do I have another job after this? (laughs) So that I was really excited about. Um, But yeah, you never know like when a journey and it's going to slow down because I think every single actor on the planet goes up and down, up and down. Like that's always the journey of an actor. Um, So you do a whole bunch of stuff and then you don't do things for a while or you do things that people don't see as much and then you come back and, you have a movie that hits and then everyone sees you again and then you go back. (laughs) So that's just kind of what happens. But, um, I think every actor should have a cause that they, that they believe in and stand for and use that platform for something bigger than them. Because I think every person on the planet that has the ability to do that should do that. Um, so the fact that I was just in a position where I could do that has been really like, everything for me, I guess.
4: Yeah. Well, I got to ask, since this is a golf podcast, you played a professional golfer in the movie Swing Away. How was that? Because I feel like golf is such a hard uh, sport to just pick up or to get the technique because (laughs) it's so awkward and uncomfortable. How was that? You know, it was really fun
3: because I grew up playing golf with my dad Mm -hmm. and I was by no means like a professional golfer or anything. Um, but my dad always liked to tell a story of like, he would take me out when I was like really young and we would play. And then there came a day where I wanted to get better. And he was always the one teaching me. And I guess I said to him, dad, how can I get better if you're the one teaching me? And after that, he's like, okay, I'm never teaching you. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously I, I worked with a coach um, and then um, Nicole Castrali came on and helped as well. Um, but I, at, at the end of the day, you don't really see me playing that much, of it, so <laughs> I didn't really need to do much. I I worked on it, but maybe they just thought I wasn't good enough, so they cut that part out.
4: <laughs> Did your game improve though?
3: Um. Well, I mean, I never played a full game, but like my <laughs> thing improved. <laughs> I <know>? love that. <laughs> I mean. And we were practicing, and it's like the one that didn't count is the one that went really far, I'm like, oh, nobody saw that one.
0: <laughs> but,
3: oh, but yeah, it's really fun. Um, but I get, I'm very competitive, and I get very frustrated. And it's a tough game. And yeah. unless I was like, unless I'm going to commit my life to really getting better. I can't do things like that casually because I get so upset with myself that I'm not <laughs> further along than I am. It's very frustrating, but I do love going out and just hitting and having fun.
4: Well, yeah, you're, you're a bit busy right now to be playing rounds of golf. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And where can everyone find you on social media? And obviously it's the Shannon Elizabeth Foundation and then also your podcast, Art of Conservation.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're on everywhere, like all the social media platforms. It's like at Shannon Elizabeth or official Shannon Elizabeth. And then um, Shannon Elizabeth FDN for foundation is how we we did the foundation handles. So yeah, I would love for people to reach out. And then the charity website is ShannonElizabeth.org. And then one of our big projects, rhinoreview.org for anybody that wants any info about Rhino and And then rangerrelief.org. We we have a bunch of things we're working on.
4: What's the best way for someone to donate or to help out?
3: If you go to shannelizabeth.org, there is a donate button there. um, And that will take you straight to us. Perfect. That's the best way. Thank you so much.
4: No, thank you for coming on and educating us. And I'm definitely going to check everything out and donate and do everything I can to help out as well. Uh, So, again, thank you.
3: Thank you so much. I'm very grateful.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41,
6: 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today. For a sound sleep tonight. Visit Lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L E E S A.com slash iHeart.
4: Shannon's so pretty. Like she came up on the screen and I just like started smiling. I was like, this (laughs) She is gorgeous. No,
5: she's like really attractive. It's the smile for me. Like, it's <laughs> I, the teeth.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, I couldn't speak. I was so nervous to talk to her. I mean, she is, like, a, a, like the ultimate sex symbol for so many guys. Right, but yet so pure. Yeah, she, like, is saving animals, and she is smoking <laughs> hot and smart.
5: You know what? Speaking of saving animals, we're going to tap into TNA, and we have one talking about Nico. <gasps> My puppy. Let's do it. How long have you had your dog Nico for? Did you adopt him from somewhere? And also, did he come up with the name Nico? Did he come up with the name Nico? Maybe the person if you did adopt? Or did you name him yourself? <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a dog and was just curious about your doggy story.
4: <laughs> so uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am obsessed with my dog. I post him every day. Every single second of every day. Uh, His name is Nico. He's three years old and I rescued him three years ago. So I got him when he was literally just a puppy. I had been wanting a dog for such a long time. My parents, uh, they live like really close to me and they're like, we're not, don't get a dog because you travel so much and we're not going to help out the dog. And I was like, fine. So every time we would go by an adoption or any place with uh, puppies, I would always go in. And I would send my parents pictures. I'm like, this is the dog. And they're like, no, Paige, don't get a dog. And so one day they had a puppy adoption right outside uh, where I was getting breakfast. And so I obviously walked by and there was just a pile of puppies. And I saw one right underneath like three other black dogs. And I was like, that one, I want to see that one. So I, we picked him up. And he started licking my face. And oh I, gosh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. I instantly started bawling. And I took a picture and I sent it to my dad. And I said, Dad, I found the dog. And I, I like I said, I sent him probably 10 or 15 dogs before this. And he said, Get the dog. And so I instantly started bawling and adopted the dog and it was actually April 1st so we took it to see my mom because she was working like really close to us and she thought it was an April Fool's joke at first but it's funny because he has become such a important part not only in my life but also in my parents life too so when I'm gone my parents will always watch my dog and they love my dog more than they love me. They will text me after they've watched my dog for probably, you know, if I'm traveling like 10 days. And they're like, hey, can we take Nico out for another walk? And they keep him really young, or Nico keeps my parents young because they go out on walks and exercise. And so he has really changed both of our lives. Helps a lot with my anxiety and just being happy all the time. When we came up with the name Nico, it was kind of just random. His his rescue name was Tucker. And we're like, oh, it's cute, but it just like didn't quite fit him. And so we we're, I was walking along, and this lady came up in our complex, and she's like, "Oh, like what's what's his name?" We're like, "Oh, we don't know. We're working on it." We we just said maybe three or four names, and Nico was one of them. And she said, "He's a Nico. Name of Nico." And so that's how we came up with the name Nico. <laughs> uh, but, I love that. Yeah. So he is an Australian cattle mix. We're not sure what he's mixed with. When I rescued him, they said he was going to be 30, 35 pounds at most. And he is 75 pounds. So, (laughs) way way off with what they said. But we think he definitely has Red healer in him because of his coat. But he has the body of, like, a German Shepherd or, like, a Malinois. So, we think he's mixed with some kind of Shepherd. He's also highly intelligent, um, can be quite a pain in the butt we had a really hard time <laughs> training him because he was so smart and with the part healer he would always kind of nip at our heels and he was just such a snot he was so smart and he'd outsmart us so we had to get training for him but he is literally like the best dog ever I like I cry thinking about not having Nico in my life like he is such an important person or oh, not third dog like I say, he's like a baby he a like he he is a person like and anyone who has met Nico knows that he has like so much personality and he is almost human like like he will literally look at you in the eyes he can understand what you're saying he is so smart it is insane he has like these ears that flop around and like that's how he like can communicate and it, he, that dog is like something special but we always say that I was meant to have Nico, but Nico is also meant to be my dog because he was really, really hard to train. And I feel like if he didn't get someone who had the resources to train him, that he probably would be put down because he was so difficult. And so we always say, like, Nico is lucky to be mine, but I'm, you know, lucky to be his Aww. owner too. So I, like, obsess with my dog, and I could talk about my dog <laughs> all day long. Like, he is amazing. One quick question
5: before we wrap. Does he sleep in bed with you or in a kennel?
4: No, so I have really bad allergies, like really, really bad allergies. And so he sleeps in a dog bed next to the bed, um, but he's not allowed on any of the furniture. Again, he's really well trained, and he doesn't even like being up on furniture, but I – if I pet him, I have to immediately like wash my hands because I will break out in like, hives and I have asthma so I can't breathe. And I'm like, this is how much you know I love my dog that I am willing to suffer day in and day out oh. to just give him love. Uh, but there's just something so like pure and innocent about dogs. And if you're ever thinking about getting one, definitely get one. But know that it's also like important. You have to invest a lot of your time and effort into them and they'll give it back, but you just – it, it does take a lot of effort if you want to have that like real connection with them. So again, like I, I can't imagine not having Nico in my life. He is absolutely incredible and I'm a big component for people, advocate for people getting uh, dogs or animals or anything to like help them out.
5: Totally. And adopt, not shop, you know?
4: Yeah, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely adopt. But know that when you adopt that there might be some behavioral issues that come with the dog. And so um, you might have to put a little more effort into it, and that, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but just kind of know that, I mean, again, dogs are a lot of work, and that takes some, a lot of patience and time. I remember when, like, Nico made me not want to also have kids, because when we, I was crate training him, it was horrible with him, like, whining and crying in the middle of the night, and I was like, how do parents do this? How do they do this? Like, at least I could put Nico in, like, a crate. You can't create a kid, so I don't oh, know. Oh, you can't crate a kid. <laughs> I'll be, like, the first parent to create a child safe crate. Oh, my gosh. Mom <laughs> <I'm> of the <here. laughs> <I'm joking> year. <everyone. laughs> on, on that trying. note. <laughs> on that note, please do not call child services. I do not have a kid for that reason. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, just a little bit of everything, and again, write in because we are dying to know, especially about this porn thing, because I'm still thinking about that. Me too. That's not going to leave my mind for a really long time, so I'm dying to know, do you guys watch porn every single day? Uh, do you ever fall asleep to the sounds of porn? <laughs> I I literally need to know. Like This is a burning question. That needs to be answered. So email really us does. at par at iheartradio.com. <laughs> and we're dying to hear from you. And we'll get an update. You know, it's funny because if we ask Josh, he'd be like, oh, l- 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 I don't know. No, no, I never watch porn. <laughs> you would be like, I can't say it. I, got,
5: I just got moved to the bed. I don't want to go back on the couch. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it again. Um, thanks always for the support and listening to us. Don't forget to write in your questions or you can even DM us at the uh, playing around Instagram account. You can also see the Lost Bet outfit. There's a lot of really good content on there. So make sure to also check that out. And we'll be here next week. We're doing this next week too. And the week after that, the week after that. So keep on listening.
0: <laughs> Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on IR Radio, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.